You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, your home. That you have healed their bodies. Lord, I pray the Lord, by the stripes Jesus bled on the cross, that they're healed. Father, I pray, Psalm 103, 1 through 5, it says, We praise you, God, and don't forget your benefits, that you heal every infirmity, sickness, and disease, and you crown everyone with loving kindness. You redeem their lives, and you renew their strength, and you satisfy their life with good things. Father, I pray that you would bless tonight. I pray, God, that we would just enter in this season uh, with new hope, new perspective, Lord, as we're beginning to, as this year is coming to an end in the next four weeks, five weeks, Father, I pray, God, that you're opening our eyes, that our eyes are open. I pray that every teenager has open eyes. Even the adult leaders in the room would have open eyes, open ears, and open hearts to receive from you. Because, Lord, if we don't have open eyes and open ears, Lord, there's, we're, we're dull, and we're not going to grow, and there's no hope. There's no love, and there's no peace. Father, I thank you that you're doing that for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, when I was a kid, I used to go to the mall, whatever that is around here in Owensboro, right? We used to go to the mall, what's left of a mall. And uh, I remember one year, speaking of Santa Swole, uh, it's funny. I got reminded of this story as I was watching this game go down. I remember going to see the mall Santa with my brother Dwayne, and one year, my brother Dwayne, my brother Dwayne was known to fight a lot, like he's the type of guy that you would fight him, he was like smaller than everybody, but he had that like killer wolverine instinct, like he, it doesn't matter how much you hurt him, burned him, cut him, made him bleed, he would not stop getting back up, that's who he was, kind of really who he is, he's resilient, and he got a little sarcastic and a little smart alecky with Santa, And I remember being next in line, and Santa had him in a wrestling hold I call the Santa Claus scissors. And my my brother got real sassy with him. Santa jumped up out of his seat, grabbed him by the shoulders, shoved him down, and locked him in with his legs. Santa had some swole thighs that day. And he kept my brother there until he kept yelling, security, security. And he kept yelling and yelling and yelling. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. There's even more to this story I haven't said, but uh, my brother was locked up in the Santa Claus scissors. So, but he was yelling for security. Why is he yelling for security? Because security has authority in the building, right? You go to school, which by the way, my brother got out of the Santa Claus scissors when my half-brother, who was 18, uh, who actually got my brother in trouble. It's really his fault. My half-brother, Mark, uh, <laughs> he had to go up there and talk Santa down to let him go and talk to security. And then they came up to me and said, hey, Daryl, do you want to go up there? And I'm like, nope, I am not going up there. So all I know is, look to your neighbor and say, avoid the Santa Claus scissors. Okay, if you want a reenactment, we'll show you later. But they yelled for security because security had authority in the building. And a lot of times in our culture, authority, we think authority is a bad thing. I remember whenever I would act out, my dad had this, everybody says their mom has a look. My mom had a look, and my mom said a lot of cuss words when she would, I would get in trouble. But my dad would just look at us, and he would just pause. 
And I knew, I knew I've, bro- I've done something to, I broke a rule. I was disrespectful. How many of you guys know what those looks look like? Just a f- about half the room. Some of y'all don't know what that look looks like. That could be a problem with society. Pray for Gen Z. So that look basically means, hey, guys, wake up and realize you're probably doing something stupid. You need to wise up. You need to learn to behave. You need to learn to be respectful. But authority is kind of a funny thing because we think authority is a bad thing. But authority is a good thing. Authority is a very good thing. So, in fact, in as we're walking into Christmas, like, I like Christmas trees. I like lights. You know, in my own yard, I've got a nativity that I got from my dad. And there's a little baby Jesus in there. And there's these three guys carrying stuff to bring to Jesus. Do you know who those guys are? The wise men. And there's always three because those three... Now, the Bible doesn't say it was only three. The Bible just says they brought three gifts, okay? So you tend to only see three because there's three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Look to your neighbor and say myrrh. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So as we celebrate Christmas, these wise men gave these gifts, and they gave the gift of gold. They gave the gift of gold to Jesus because the gift of gold represents that Jesus is king. And the, so, and Jesus is king. Now, here's what the scripture says in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It says, for a child is born to us, a son. Or really, you see it right here in this line alone. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. You see in that first part of verse 6 that Jesus, this is prophesying in a time of great darkness and despair, but that, hey, a son and a child is coming, right? It's, it, there's this humanity and child and son. Sometimes it's capitalized with an S, symbolizing his deity, or his, that he's fully God and fully man. It says the government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, we just came out of talking about shame, and we started talking about fear, and we started talking about peace. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And by the way, Everlasting Father does not mean Jesus is God. It means that he's, the, he's an everlasting source. And it says, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So you see this prophetic word, it just came at a time uh, people needed hope. Christmas is a great time of hope. I've never seen people be more generous, more loving, more in a good mood than around Christmas. You might say, Pastor Gerald, that's not me. You're probably the exception. And I'm not saying, I'm not downplaying how you might feel and you may not like it. I know sometimes, like, I lost my dad the day after Thanksgiving one year. So my mom died on Labor Day. So there's two holidays in the calendar year. If I want to be depressed and sad, I can be. But at the end of the day, you know, how, you know, we can't control when those things happen. But Christmas is a time of great charity and generosity. Charity and generosity, who likes getting free stuff? You know what? That's a Christian concept. It's a Christian thing. So the thing is, this is a beautiful picture of Jesus. He's the king with the government on his shoulders. And he's an everlasting kingdom with no end. 
you know, his name shall be called. He's, a, you know, he's Emmanuel, right? His, we know the nature of how he's going to rule. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. Notice it doesn't say Jesus is going to be a butthole counselor. It doesn't say that. It says he's a wonderful counselor. You guys probably know some guidance counselors, and you're a little, they're a little sketchy and sus. But at the end of the day, he's a wonderful counselor. His person and power, or he's mighty. He's mighty God. He's fully man, but he's also fully God. His relationship with people, he's an everlasting father or everlasting source. His source, there is no end. Jesus is the plug. Jesus is the source. Jesus is literally everything that you need, he has. The kingdom he rules, he's a prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. He has come to give peace. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but the author of peace. This kingdom he rules, he is King Jesus. The question is, do you see King, do you see Jesus as King in your own life? That's a real question for tonight. Do you see Jesus as King in your own life, right? So we always look at baby Jesus in the manger. He's just this little bitty baby, an ordinary child, but he's king, right? We live in a culture where we don't like people to tell us what to do because we think we know what's best, right? And sometimes we might, you know, and sometimes we obviously don't. But the thing is, Jesus' true picture as king is not as just as a baby in a manger. See, the wise men, it takes them two or three years to get to him. Right? When they arrived at him, he's not a baby anymore. He's like a two or three year old. Scholars can't really tell you what he looked like because they don't know the exact time. Hey, fun fact Jesus was not born on December 25th, and Jesus was not white. Okay, let's just get the facts out there. I mean, we all should all know these things. I hear Daniel in the back. So, but what does Jesus really look like? We're going to look at Revolution, Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Guys, I'm going quick. Look to your neighbor and say, Jesus is king. Oh, man. What are you guys, or whatever you guys are wrestling with tonight, I pray by the end of tonight, that's going to be broken off. Some of you guys are distracted. Some of you guys are talking a lot in the back. Some of you guys are just, your mind is somewhere else. I just want to encourage you, focus in, lean in. Because we're going to have time in the squads where you're going to get to talk and chat and give your opinion. Okay? But here's what Jesus really looks like as king. Here's what it looks like in Revelation 19.11. It says this. Then I saw heaven opened and suddenly a white horse appeared. The name of the one riding it was Faithful and True. Now see, one day Jesus is going to come back. See, Jesus died on the cross and was buried in a tomb and then he rose from the dead. And then he ascended to heaven. And he basically says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I am coming back. So Jesus will return, and here's how he returns. He's riding on a white horse. Now, Revelation is a vision that John got on the island of Patmos. Revelation is apocalyptic literature, okay? I just like saying apocalyptic because it sounds good, mixing it with Christmas. But faithful and true is Jesus' name. Jesus is faithful and true, and it says, With pure righteousness, he judges and he rides to battle. See, Jesus is going to come and make every wrong right. Remember, because he is righteousness, he's going to make everything right. Every wrong will be righted by Jesus one day. This is a hope we have. It says he wore many regal crowns. His eyes were flashing like flames of fire. This is not the Jesus you see in some of those old school movies, right? 
flames of fire. He had a secret name inscribed on him that's known only to himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title is called the Word of God. Following him on white horses were the armies of heaven. If you think, if you think the Bible sounds boring, you're not reading it right. This, as a guy, this is like, this is like Jesus is coming in as a warrior, ready to like end, end every wrong. It says he's wearing white fine linen, pure and bright. A sharp sword came from his mouth with which to conquer the nations and shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will trample out the wine and the winepress of the wrath or strong passion of God. On his robe and on his thigh he had inscribed of name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. Reading this verse, for me, when I read this, I get kind of excited because Jesus is not some wimp. Jesus is mighty. He's strong. He's a warrior, and he fights for his children, and he fights for his people. And he's coming. He's faithful and true. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and every knee shall bow. That's who he is. We will have no choice. If Jesus were to walk into the room, I've said this before, if he were to walk in this room, we would bow. We would have no choice. So what does this mean for us today? Well, here's the reality. Technically, before Jesus was king, death was the king of the earth. Death. The book of Romans addresses this. See, many of us live with the mindset that Jesus is not king, that life just happens. There's no victory. Everybody thinks reading the Bible and praying, it doesn't work. That's a lie. Why am I even going to church? This is pointless. I get more out of playing football or basketball or whatever it is that you might be doing, playing video games. You're being misled. See, in Romans 5, before Jesus, technically until the time of Moses, but really definitely when the, the death, burial, and resurrection on the cross happened, before that, death was king. And it says here in Romans 5, 14 through 17, you guys are going to read this later. Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they hadn't broken a command the way Adam had. See, some people have not sinned, but yet they will pay the price of sin, right? We're all paying the price of Adam's original sin in the Garden of Eden in the fall. It says the first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Remember, Adam's perfect, right? Adam was perfect. He was, he was formed from the dust of the ground. God breathed his spirit in him. Guess who else is perfect? Jesus, Jesus is called the second Adam because he's come to make everything right. Now, there's no comparison between Adam's transgression or sin and the gracious gift that we experience. I really want you guys to read this with me. This one's important. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It's true that many died because of one man's transgression. Many, here's the thing. Sin has a price, and the wages of sin is death. That's your payment. You, got, you work a job, you get a paycheck. That's just the reality. That's in Romans. So here we go. But it says, how much greater will God's grace and his gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man, Jesus the Messiah, King Jesus, did for us? It says, and this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. 
But this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words not guilty. See, because of Adam's original sin, we're all guilty. But because of what Jesus has done, King Jesus, we're not guilty. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, Pastor Joe, I don't get it. It's death once held it's in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus? Pastor Darrell, what's that even mean? Here's what it means. See, Jesus is king. Death once was king. And many of us, literally, we're all going to die one day. We all know that, right? We're all going to die, right? Pastor Darrell, what's this got to do with Christmas? Everything. Everything. One day we're all going to die, right? But guess what? You're going to continue to live on. Why? Because Jesus now rules. He's king. And when we die, there is still life to continue. It just won't be here and it won't be with these bodies because these bodies are going to break down. They're going to get old. They're going to get sick. They're going to die. They're going to be buried in the ground. But you're still going to live on, period. Wow. Because of Adam, we will die because of his sin. But through living our life in Jesus as king, we live in triumph over sin and death. This is good news. See, we live over, dude, Jesus, we have triumph over sin and death. In this Christmas season, we're celebrating his birth. We're just getting to the start. Easter is when he dies, and then he rises from the dead. But the gold given to Jesus symbolizes his kingship. And as king, Jesus gives the gift of his kingdom to you and I today and forever. Because guess what? His kingdom's forever. I'm going to keep going. John 14. Here we go. Guys, I'm giving you a ton of scripture because, because this is the heaviest week out of all of them. So stick with me a little longer. John 14. Some of y'all need discipleship, not distraction. So don't let your hearts be troubled. John 14. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so... What I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. I just told you that. When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know where I'm going. Jesus, Jesus says, I'm coming back to get you, right? I'm not going to leave you orphans. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon, the world will no longer see me, but you will. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Sometimes, guys, the Scripture just has to speak for itself. And I have to trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work. Because he knows better than I do. But at the end of the day, Jesus is king. Death is not king anymore. Right? Sin will bring death. Jesus literally says, hey, obey me and you'll have favor and blessing. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 6.33 that if you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, it says all these things will be added to you. Everything that we worry about, Jesus literally says, don't worry about it because he takes care of the worms on the ground and the birds in the air. He's going to take care of you. That cell phone you want, you may or may not need it. The clothes you have, it's enough. That house you have, it's good enough. 
the shoes you got on are fine. I know how middle school can be. Everybody's ready to clown and roast on somebody's shoes because they don't have the best thing. I just want to laugh at middle school students. I love you to death, but your parents bought them. It's not like you made all that paper to pay for those. Your parents or your grandparents bought them, and you're bragging that you're better than somebody else? Shut up. I'm talking to somebody. I'm being, look, I'm kind of joking, but I'm being dead real. Shut up. Your, your freaking family paid for it. Give me a break. Okay, moving on. So, how do you recognize Jesus as king? You obey his commandments. See, when you live in a kingdom, when the king passes something down, you live by it, right? Who's the king of your house? Everybody say dad. Might be stepdad. Some of y'all might be mom. I'm going to tell you, some moms are tough, and they got to run a tight ship. Dad's head of the family. In some cases, mom's head of the house. She's running that, she's running that house like an office manager, making sure things are operating and, and going. So you know when you're in the house, you know the rules, right? Right? What happens when you break the rules in your house? Come on, tell me. Come on. You guys are still, some of you guys are still offended by that shoe comment. Look, I'm just trying to say humble yourself, people. You're not as good as and awesome as you think you are. You're blessed because you got those amazing shoes, by the way. You get grounded. What else? What happens when you, when you buck the kingdom of the house? What happens? Phone taken away. Ooh, who hates getting their phone taken away? Anybody? Oh, dang. You might as well just, like, stab somebody. Oh. What's worse than getting your phone taken away? Somebody getting slapped in the mouth. Holy cow. We're going to talk about that. CPS, right, Caitlin? Just kidding, but not really. All right, all right. Paddle, some other stuff. Here's the thing. If you lived in a kingdom, guess what? If you break laws in the United States of America, what happens? You go to jail, right? Well, here's the thing. So if I said Jesus is king... If you're in this room and you say Jesus is Lord of your life, is he really? Is Jesus really Lord of your life? Is he really king of your life? Is he really king of your future? Is he really king of your bank account? Is he really king of your time? Is he really king? Because a real king, you would be concerned with what they think. If we're honest, all of us struggle with living as Jesus as king. But if we want to live in the blessings of the kingdom of God, we need to live in obedience and surrender to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm not afraid of principal at school. I'm not afraid of whoever the president is. I'm not afraid who's in Congress. I'm more worried about what Jesus thinks more than anybody. Because one day, every king, every leader, every government ruler is going to have to answer to him. See, here's the thing. So what, Pastor Darrell? Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord over everything over us. And if he isn't Lord or king of your life, my question to you tonight as we get ready to go into squads is why? If Jesus is not king of your life, why? Because if there's one conviction I have going into 2023, 
We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty, and we're going to have a little reset around here, and we're going to be asking some real tough questions because no more fluff. Now, that sounds kind of drastic. What I mean is it's time for you guys to really answer some tough questions and stop dodging around them. You got real questions, and I'm going to promise you, you're going to get real answers not just in the word of God, but with your squad leaders and in this ministry and at this whole church in particular. So if Jesus, Jesus is king, if there's one thing you need to know tonight, Jesus is king. But is he king of your life? And that's a question we're going to ask as we're getting ready to go into squads. Let's pray. Lord. As we go into squads, I pray, Lord, that we would have open eyes, open ears, and open hearts. Anoint the squad leaders. Anoint the assistant squad leaders. Anoint their conversations. Father, I pray this would be a safe place and a safe space for them to get real. I'm going to tell you, Jesus, you're the only hope I have. When everything goes wrong, you're the only hope I have. You're king, and I trust you. And if you say it, it's law. If you say it, you're true to your word. Father, I pray that you would, you would just, just reveal yourself to everyone. As we take the next so many minutes together and we begin to ask that question, Jesus, are you king? And if not, why? Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen.